Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey there, this is Nicole, the host and producer of the Founder and Podcast. It's almost Halloween. What is it? It's October 27th. This will release tomorrow. You know, I'd like to do a little pre-roll um, business before we get into the episode. By the way, this episode is so good. I am so blessed that I got to talk to Tim Tattoo. He's such a cool guy. He's a hospice nurse um, out of LA. Super cool guy who has really great insight on death and dying. And, you know, it's something that we're all going to face ourselves. Um, and, and, and we face it in myriads of ways and yeah, interesting conversation for sure. I hope you really enjoy it. Um, you might want to bring a tissue, um, (laughs) but it's good, you know, it's a really good and meaningful conversation. So I'm so blessed that Tim, um, and I were able to connect. So I really hope you enjoy this episode couple pieces of biz. Um, yeah, you know, if you want to check out what Unwound Retreats is up to, my self-care for healthcare business where we travel together as nurses and practice self-care, go over to unwoundretreats.com and check that out. Um, I'll be launching something very soon, so I'm super stoked for that. And yeah, if you want to support the show, the best way to support Found Down truly is to leave a review, an honest review on whatever platform you listen to it on. Um, just rate, review, and subscribe. That would be super awesome. Tell your friends if you like it. Um, and um, don't tell them if you don't. That's fine. <laughs> but um, I just want to say thanks so much for everybody for tuning in and for showing up. Um, I super appreciate it. Um and yeah, I'm I'm super I'm super grateful. Oh yeah, and just a word about the sponsor of the show, Nicole Kupchik. She has her business, Nicole Kupchik Consulting, and and you know I talk about her on the, on the show because she's the sponsor of the show, but she really has some awesome courses out there. She's launching an online webinar CCRN class coming up November December. If you want to get certified, go over to. NicoleCupchickConsulting.com and check it out over there. Uh, use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20 to get 20% off at checkout. Sorry, I can't talk. I thought it would be fun to read you a question from the CCRN, practice questions from her book, Ace the CCRN. You know, I'm wondering who out there knows the right answer to this question. You are caring for a patient with a resolving acute MI with right-sided heart failure that now requires preload reduction. This can be accomplished by using what? Medications that cause A. Arterial dilation, B. Venous dilation, C. Arterial constriction, or D. Venous constrictor. Do you know the answer to that question? Maybe if you take the CCRN (laughs) course, you'll learn it. But anyway, if you want to improve your practice, grow your practice, um, learn cool things about pathophysiology in the human body, go over to NicoleCupcheConsulting.com and use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20 at checkout to get 20% off her products. Uh, thanks so much, you guys, for supporting me, supporting the show. This, again, such a great episode with, oops, Tim Tattoo. Uh, you're going to love it. Um, such a meaningful conversation. I'm so happy we had it. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show.
Well, hello and welcome to the Foundown Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and I'm so excited because I'm talking to my old colleague, Tim Tattoo. And I said, it's it's right, right? Tim Tattoo? Old. Yeah. Tim <laughs> Tattoo is correct. Yeah. <laughs> my, my nursing buddy, Tim Tattoo, you know, he's a hospice nurse and we're going to talk all things hospice nursing, death and dying. But before we get into that, how are you, Tim? Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, thank you for doing this and uh, spreading uh, information uh, out in the world. It's it's really uh, wonderful. And I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to speak with you today and have the time to do this. Uh, the question, I think, is how I, am I? Mm-hmm. How are in you? In the bigger picture? Yeah. Not pandemic fine, but like, how are you? Um. I'm here. So I'm good. That's always what I say. If I, I mean, if, if my life was really crazy and it's been crazy and it's kind of crazy now, but if I'm here doing this with you, I'm good. Uh, that said, it's been a challenging time for me as it's been for, uh, everyone. I'm sure. I think we're all dealing with more chaos and unknown and, uh, suffering and grief of loss, you know, we lost so much. Uh, and honestly, death, uh, you know, I think we've all experienced um, death in this period. You know, if someone didn't die from care, you know, that you're caring for uh, as a nurse or uh, a relative or a friend, uh, I think each one of us has dealt with, with, with death. And me included, uh, I shared with Nicole earlier that my uh, brother uh, took his own life a few months back and uh, my life has been um, overcome with uh, his passing because he had uh, no uh, children or wife um, or partner. Uh, So uh, I'm uh, taking control of his life uh, and uh, am back in the uh, home that he lived in, which was our family home. So I'm oh, back wow. in, um, uh, m- you know, the home I grew up in uh, that I never thought that I would really <laughs> be a part of again. So it's been uh, uh, fascinating uh, to put, um, you know, the extension of, of death uh, to uh, memories and histories and all of it. So, uh, it's been, it's been a, a, um, you know, went through the whole pandemic as a nurse, as a hospice nurse, and that had incredible ups and downs and, uh, suffering and, you know, craziness, uh, beyond (laughs) what I ever thought could happen. Um, and here I am, you know, with you today and happy to be so. I'm so grateful that you're here. I I just want to say I'm, I'm cannot believe and uh, you know it must be so incredibly hard to um, endure the loss of your brother. I'm wondering, you know, you work in the world of death and dying all the time. Yep. You talked a little bit pre-roll before we got started about like your perspective on your brother's passing. Do you mind sh- sharing that with the audience out there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a, a kind of, uh, I deal with death a lot. Um, and, uh, I actually am not working right now because I have too much. I couldn't even focus on it. Um, uh, but I haven't left the field because death is with me in a more extended, uh, extended stay. Um, I can stay positive about death. I mean, I, I, I also worked as a, as a floor nurse uh, and uh, so much time was, was in fear that somebody was going to, going to code and death was like lurking in the background <laughs> everywhere, but it wasn't what no, anyone wanted to really talk about. Um, but, but now this death of my brother is extended. So I'm going through the whole process um, I, I, the positive to me in death is I feel my belief is that people, when they die, they're going to their true home. 
uh, and I, I am uh, I always feel um, uh, I don't know if joy is the right word, but uh, I just have this faith that 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 the suffering is over of this life, and they are outside of the suffering, and uh, uh, it is a good place, and it's that belief that it is a good place is the core to my practice as a hospice nurse. So I've been able to uh, go through this grieving of my brother uh, and really my family, um, all the people, my mother who also uh, uh, took her own life at a young age, well, 58. Wow. Uh, and, I, I, and I'm dealing with her death as well because he had uh, a lot of things of hers uh, and fact, felt very connected to her and realizing that connected and realizing they're together, you know, um, uh, brings me a lot of peace. Uh, so I'm here to um, try to put the pieces together. Mm. So that's what I'm that's 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 what I'm doing. And and that's where I'm at uh, facing a lot of challenges every day, because as many of us are with covid in particular, the whole, every system is affected. So everywhere we go, there's something that is not flowing, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, how do we manage when we hit the, the, the block? You know, how do we, we, we get over the block? You know, you get the block, you see the block, you react to the block, and then you just have to just let the block go. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have a choice. Right. Uh, uh, we, 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 you could fight it. And I fought too. And sometimes we have to fight and fighting's okay. And sometimes you give in, you got to meet the moment. Mm -hmm. So, well, that's just a metaphor for life. That's yes. like an enormous, uh, metaphor. Um, do you mind if we talk, um, a bit about how did you, it's, well, first of all, you sound like a really spiritual person. Like I'm wondering, I don't know if you are or not, but like your viewpoint on death, like, did you have like, what drew you to the world of hospice nursing? Okay. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting story. Um, I, um, I live in Los Angeles. Um, I went to art school. Uh, I, my mother was an artist. I grew up around art. Um, and after art school, I started uh, working on productions, uh, TV commercials, music videos, mainly a little bit of print work as a um, set decorator and then art director. And I worked my way to be a production designer, uh, meaning I was in charge of sets, uh, getting sets built, uh, getting sets, sets dressed. Um, uh, in this process, um, uh, I... Uh, was also uh, doing uh, meditation. I, I had a meditation practice all the way back uh, to the 90s. Um, and uh, uh, through a series of events, uh, I ended up um, going to Japan. Uh, I practice uh, Zen, uh, Rinzai Zen in particular, it's a sect of Zen. Uh, and uh, I ended up, uh, in Japan, uh, and I went to the monastery where the teacher that I had been connected to with here has uh, his monastery where he lives and trains, uh, trains people from all over the world. Uh, so I ended up going there, and I felt when I arrived, literally stepped over the temple gates that I arrived home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I stayed there for over a year. Uh, it's a very difficult lifestyle. Um, you know, you wake up at 3.30 in the morning, you sit long hours. Um, it's, it's grueling, but uh, freeing. Um, at the, I had been there a year and I was planning to return home to take care of business I had back in Los Angeles. And the teacher asked me to go to Whidbey Island, which is an island outside of Seattle. And uh, students of his had started a monastery for him 
to teach at when he came to America. And a man who was a Microsoft millionaire uh, bought the house next door to the monastery and told my teacher that he could use that house for anything he wanted. And he said, I want to start a home for end of life care uh, because he sees the importance of dying and the importance of being cared for and what we have to learn from the dying. And wow. yeah, so they sent me there not to be a caregiver, but they knew that I had been an art director and I had owned a home. I knew how to get things done. When you live in the monastery, you live in the monastery. You don't know how to talk to contractors. You know, you don't, I, I, I understood how to, I, I understand some understanding of design. Uh, so they wanted me to, to get the place ready. So I lived at the monastery and um, I arrived the same day as the doctor who became the director and uh, we became good, good friends. Uh, and we, we, we got this place uh, renovated and decorated and we got a license as a, a uh, adult family home or board and care. Uh, and uh, I ended up staying. I was supposed to be there for three months. I was there a year before we got our first patient. And I decided to uh, become a, a CNA uh, in order to properly care. And I uh, you know, took the CNA course and then I literally carried our first patient out of the, out of his home uh, and brought him to this warm, inviting, beautiful space that we had created. Wow. Uh, and I um, was part of a caregiving team of a doctor, a nurse, and a caregiver. And we, the three of us would care for somebody 24 seven. So I would sleep at the foot of their bed at night. Um, I know it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's so much, you know, how we wish nursing could be in a way where you're, you're really in it um, and you're, you're right there. You know, you're not coming and going. You're not, I'll be back in a minute. I've got to do, go do, I got to go hang a bag and I'll be back. You know, you're you there. You call me if you need me. Right. Call me if you need me. Meanwhile, I've got a chart. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so uh, uh, the doctor, uh, uh, and she thought I was a natural caregiver and she encouraged me to um, get more education. And she wanted me to become a doctor. And I was like, eh, 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 no way. No, thank you. Um, you know, I don't want it. I want to care for people. I don't want to write orders. Um, uh, and I'm and, and I didn't want to do that. I mean, I was I was in my mid getting to be late thirties by the time all this, I was almost 40 by the time I got into nursing school, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I just not in the mood for it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I end up, uh, uh, doing all my prereqs, which was challenging. And then, um, very fortunate to, um, get accepted in the university of, of Washington nursing school where we met. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's how I got, uh, involved. Can we back up to the place where your Buddhist monk or you're not Buddhist, but your, your, your mentor, your, well, my your, teacher, your teacher, where he asked you to do this work. What did you think? Like, were you like hesitant? Were you like, okay, okay. You felt the calling. Like, do you mind talking about that? Because you yeah. prior to your life over in Japan, you were, you know, in production design and art and very different yeah, space. Very different space. Um, so uh, there is a, um, a social worker who worked at uh, Bailey Boucher House, which uh, had been a huge, uh, a, a, for uh, when HIV AIDS was huge, it had opened up as a hospice, basically, back in the day. Um, uh, he, he came, he was also a student of our teacher and he came to Japan and spoke to us about hospice. And I'd never thought about hospice. I don't even think I knew what hospice was. 
Uh, but I remember being very moved um, by what he had to say and, and it resonated with me. Um, and then uh, they just asked me to do it. And I was like, didn't really give it a lot of thought. I, I was only supposed to be gone for three months and it wasn't going to be, I was like, okay, I can do that. You know, I could be useful. No problem. I didn't was, you know, I had no idea that, you know, how it was going to change my life. None. Uh, I was just doing the next thing in front of me. Hmm. So you go to Whidbey Island, you help the opening of this home. Um, and then you go to nursing school. Can you talk to me about, did you start off in med surge for a minute or, and then you went to hospice? Like what was that trajectory? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I, I, I got a job. I, I was living in Seattle and I decided I want to move back to Los Angeles cause that's where I'm from. And you know, my family's here and I miss them. Um, so I got a job. Uh, it was one of those times when basically if you could um, write your name, they're going to hire you. You know what I mean? If you're a nurse, right. uh, we've kind of gone, we've gone up and down on that one. I think right now it's probably back to being, you know, so up with a pulse and you're going to get a job. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, 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 they, they knew my interest in hospice and they put me on oncology unit. So I worked on an oncology unit, oh gosh, six or seven years. Um, some of the most challenging times of my life, uh, really, you know, hematology, oncology, infectious disease unit. Uh, one, you know, we're one step away from the ICU in a way because they only put the sickies into um, the hospital, you know, if you're going through uh, treatment now. So leukemias mainly. Uh, and there was a bone marrow transplant down the hall. Uh, it was very challenging, um, sad, uh, because people are fighting so hard. Well, what I always say, it's a lot easier to let people die than it is to keep dying people alive. Oh my Quote God. me on that. Will you say that one more time? Just it's for everybody lot, to hear again. Yeah, it's a lot easier to let dying people die than to keep dying people alive. So, you know, I was dealing with a lot of dying people, but I was trying to keep them alive. And I felt that responsibility. We all did every day. You know, you I felt responsible for keeping that person alive. And I just met them. You know what I mean? I didn't know their history. You don't know their history. You don't know anything about them. And yet they're here and they're incredibly sick. You know what I mean? Uh, incredibly sick. Like, like those patients somebody... are so sick. Oh my gosh! Can a hemoglobin go that low? You know? <laughs> it's like it's just like beyond. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was very challenging, and uh, to have people fighting so hard to live when they're dying. So we're in this. I, I'm just imagining, you know, your point of view, your space, the way you see see death, life and death, like being in that space for a long time. Were you just so attuned to the suffering you think, or like, just like this, you could see it. You could see like every, I mean, obviously these people were so sick and a lot of them are probably going to die relatively soon. Was that, was that a little bit of like a distressing because was it distressing? Totally distressing. Totally. I mean, it, it was so stressful um, uh, to such a stressful responsibility to have um, uh, to feel responsible for these people's lives um, and uh, all the stress. Everyone's stressed. The doctors are stressed. Uh, the families are stressed. Uh, everyone is stressed because, you know, they're, they're, they, they don't want to lose this person. And that said, um, I have to say, you know, I've also saw miracles happen. You know what I mean? Like, like people who should not be alive, I know are still alive and have meaning and, and, uh, you know, are, 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 are contributing, 
uh, and have relationships. And as far, you know, I knew that they, I thought they were going to be dead. So I, I always went with, you know, you want to live, let's try it, you know, but I also think there should be a conversation around death and what are your goals and this, you know, I'll have somebody in the ICU and I'm like palliative care needs to be on board. And that, that literally in the ICU, uh, the, the doctor tell me they don't need hospice or don't, no, no, not hospice. They don't need palliative care. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, of course they need palliative care. Even if they survive, they need palliative care. You know right. what I mean? We need to, we need to have our symptoms managed. We need to have in a, somebody telling people what's happening and what might happen so they can be prepared, you know, that they can take it in. Maybe it doesn't happen, but they should, they should know how sick they really are. Um, I think. You said something before we got started too, which I thought was so profound. You like how physicians like don't get any training on the one that's thing right. that is inevitable. The one right. thing that's going to happen. I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but you know, the, the, the you can be sure of is exactly your patient's yeah. going to die. Patient's going to die. We all. I mean, we we're going to be born. We're born. We're here, and then we're going to die. You know, it's. It's going to happen to each one of us and doctors. They don't learn anything about nutrition and they don't learn anything about death. It's nuts. You know, it's really nuts. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's why we need palliative care docs uh, and teams to, um, uh, you know, be there um, to hopefully also educate the doctors if they'll listen. You know, a lot of the oncologists, it's almost like they can't hear it because if they hear it, they won't be able to uh, do all the interventions, you know, because they can always give another bag of chemo and we would give chemo. All the nurses know that when people are dying and and I, I mean, I've given chemo within hours of somebody dying and I've known that they were going to die and I, you know, fought it, but you know, I mean, nurses are bitches, you know, we just got to do what yeah, that damn right. order is. And even if we don't like it, we don't agree with it. Um, you know, you that's it. kind of, we nurses used to be like secretaries, you know, back in the day. Um, uh, and we kind of, I mean, when I was there, they, they want us to, they will want me to write the orders for them. You know what I mean? And right. that still goes on. It's like, write your own damn orders. I'm busy. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like, yeah, some of the... So I work in the world of on medicine ICU and also oncology ICU. And I see a lot of oncology oh my gosh. patients. And they're so, so sick. And yeah. I, I do see that sometimes. I mean, we see it a lot where you know, like the ICU team who manages like the, maybe the oncology patients were really sick. We can see like they're flirtedly septic or they're, you know, in respiratory failure or they're being intubated for the third time, you know, like things are not going well. And sometimes it's hard for that oncology team to get on board and be like, I mean, if they, if their patients had a stem cell transplant or a bone marrow transplant, like, I think they don't want to give up for their right. patient, but like, but then the patient suffers through all that. Totally. It's unnecessary, you know? And but, boy, is it a lot of suffering. Whew. Man, that is a hard way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in, yeah. Cause your point of view when, you, so after you left the oncology the hematology oncology unit. Did you go to hospice nursing then? Like, can you tell so me? So I about took that? a break, um, which I'm I'm fortunate that I've been able to figure out how to do that. And for me, a break is even going to the monastery where it doesn't cost anything to live. And for people 
Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm privileged in that I can, and I realize that, but in any way for nurses, I, I, in life in general, you know, we're so, we get so caught up in our capitalism that we, we forget that, you know, we have to take breaks, which I know you're involved in now, which I applaud, you know, we have to, because there's more to life. You know, we need, this is our life. This is our chance, you know, and right. if you can swing it, you know, um, uh, I, I don't have a family. I'm a single gay man. It makes it different. I realize that that is not everyone's situation. Uh, but in any way that you can give yourself a break, give yourself a break. <laughs> I mean, I think. So the break that you took, is that, can you just talk a little bit about it? Was that when you built Tattoo Plex? <laughs> I actually did this. I, I did that when I was working on the oncology unit. I had a crazy year. And wow. for that time, I was trying to get my master's, which I dropped off out of because it was just too much. I really, I thought I was Superman and I realized I'm not. Um, but anyway, um, uh, no, I was still working. Um, I'm just saying I, I took, a, took a, some months off before I got my next job and my next job I, I worked in an inpatient hospice mm -hmm. uh, in Santa Barbara. And I actually moved to Santa Barbara for this job because of my experience. The, the name of the, um, uh, the home on Whidbey Island is Enso House. Uh, Enso is a circle. It's a calligraphy. It's a, it's a Japanese calligraphy of a circle, kind of, you know, the metaphor of the circle of life, you know. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I had this experience at Enso House of, of, of being inpatient. The, the thing about hospice, hospice is, comes to you. There, there's not a single hospice that's a place in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Yeah, hospice, it, there, there was a, a home sort of like Enso House that they kind of changed their 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 model uh, to support cancer families because it's just very hard to, the, Medicare doesn't pay for it basically. Medicare will pay for acute symptom management if you need to go inpatient, but that's like three or four days to stabilize somebody, but they don't pay for somebody to be somewhere. Um, you know, if they don't have any resources, they'll pay for um, a skilled nursing facility, but that's not hospice. Um, so, so this was an actual place. So I wanted to kind of get back to that. And I took a job working nights uh, because that's all they had available. And uh, which was actually a great experience because most people die at night um, or a lot of people die at night. It's quiet. You know, there's not, people aren't coming in and out. They can kind of like die. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so um, I worked nights, which was hard on my body, um, but was good for my soul and good for my experience. I, I in a year's time, I lasted a year uh, and uh, a year's time, I, I got to see a lot of deaths. Um, which was important to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny you're laughing, but I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that is the, like you said before, we're all going to die, right? Um, and if you're wanting to, if this is the work that you want to do, and then you get this experience, right? To, to see people cross over. I'm so yeah. interested in what you learned, like what were like, I don't know, what did you learn from that? experience from the working at the working yeah, night. Well, just seeing well, all the, all of, seeing all of the death. Um, as I said, I have this idea of, of death that, 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 that just sees it as this moving your soul, your body dies, your soul moves on. You know, the, the body is a boat and your soul is just, it's carrying you. So your, your body leaves. Um, but I, I, I saw all the, uh, transitioning, you know, you, you watch how people change over time and, uh, you watch the declines happening. 
Uh, usually people, uh, death is usually goes through a series of stages. You know, sometimes somebody can just, you know, an event happens. We don't know what, because we don't care. You know what right. I mean? Like sometimes oh, people so have a freeing. stroke or whatever. That's so freeing. I just love the idea of like, you don't care. They're off the monitor. They're not being monitored, whatever. Right. Who gives a shit? It's not medical. This is like a huge point for me with dying is that this is personal. It's, it's, it's about family and connection and bringing people together and, and digging deep uh, and processing your grief. Um, it's, it's, it's not a, a medical event per se, you know, um, uh, but medicine can help, you know, I mean, I'm all for it. I, I mean, I'm, give me morphine, give me Ativan, you know what I mean? Like, I don't believe that the, that the, that the body sometimes struggles to die. And this, this is, this is very real. Um, uh, it, you know, it's, it's like birth, you know, it's a struggle to come out, struggle to come out more, man, you know, bow down to all the mothers out there, you know, bow down, bow down to my mom, you know? Uh, so it's a struggle and death sometimes is a struggle. And my job is to, uh, try to minimize the suffering, but I can't take the suffering away. No one can. It's just, it's, 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 it, it, not everyone suffers and people suffer differently. And some people have to suffer a lot. Like we've seen, you know, when you work in the ICU, you see the suffering, you see the, the bodies that have been ravaged, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's real, but, uh, you just have to, to be there and, you know, show up for it. And, uh, you know, we can't, we don't do everything right. Um, and things go wrong sometimes and things get crazy. Sometimes, uh, we do our best. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I was thinking about you as a monk and I don't know if in your world, they talk about like suffering as like a tool or stuff. Like we all do, 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 I guess maybe more that's like a Buddhist, like suffering. It is, it is Buddhist. I mean, the Buddha said that life is suffering. Um, and, uh, uh, you suffer a lot, um, sitting. There's a lot of suffering in sitting. If you've ever tried to sit long hours, I mean, your body, uh, hurts in a way that, uh, is hard to describe. Um, and that, 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 is, is for me has been very grounding uh, and has allowed me um, uh, to uh, build a lot of uh, inner strength. Um, so uh, I know that, that there's, a, there's a lot of joy in life and there, there's suffering as well. Uh, and you, you have to be able to kind of be okay with both. Um, and just see, ride, ride through both. Oh, just so beautiful. Like just, that's just, yeah. It, yeah, you're right. That's, that, this is life. This is the practice. Yeah. That's a practice. And nursing is a practice. Yeah. Ooh. Um, what can you say to those of us who are, I don't know, like, any words of wisdom for, for people who are in the world of, you know, having people die frequently. <laughs> I mean, a lot of healthcare providers listen to this show, doctors, nurses, mostly nurses, but some respiratory therapists, occupational therapists, you know, a lot of people who work in the medical world listen to this show. Yeah. So we all have to, to, work on finding that place of peace within ourselves and, and not become inured or, or deadened to the death that we see because we, we, I think that it's important to allow ourselves to feel, you know, and not be afraid of our feelings. Um, uh, but 
you, you have to, people are afraid of their feelings because they, 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 they're concerned that they won't be able to control them. And that's the thing about feelings is sometimes they go out of control and my feelings go out of control with, with my brother, you know, I would all of a sudden just start crying and I couldn't stop crying, but it was okay. You know what I mean? Like, like I cried, I, I would be around a bunch of, of, of guys, right? And they're, they're all kind of looking at the floor and they don't want to look at me. And they think, you know, that it's gonna, that, 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 you know, that they're, they're, that I'm gonna break down, you know? But I, maybe I break down, but I know I'm gonna break up. You know, I'm gonna come back, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just like, it's gonna come back together again. So it's like, um, just, just, you know, dig in, lean in sometimes to the grief and let yourself feel it without becoming with, with but you gotta also, where it can go haywire is if you, um, you really need help, you know, yeah. you need help, you need, you need somebody um, uh, to be able to also give you feedback and to listen to you and to hear you, you know, because we go through so much. Um, so, so hopefully everyone has someone who can, couldn't kind of back them up, but, but ultimately we have to find that rock in ourselves. And you have to think that there's, for me, I believe so strongly that there's a, a this is all, uh, so much bigger than us. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you try to take the whole thing on, then, then you're going to be overwhelmed, but we are part of, of a, of a universe that is out of our control and we have to flow within it. Um, and you just have to let the ups and the downs happen. Don't be afraid of the, of, of the grief, um, uh, make friends with your grief. Uh, but, but don't just, you have to have a little bit of criticality, you know, mm -hmm. you have to have that criticality that lets you be able to pull yourself together to call the mortuary and to take care of the family and to do, you know, these things, the practical things that we have to do, um, uh, simultaneously. So this is our challenge. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's faith is a big part of it for me. Um, and finding that uh, just, that's why meditation is so good, but it doesn't have to be meditation. It can be, um, uh, exercise. It could be some practice. It can be pottery. It can be, uh, uh something that, that allows you to kind of get out of the 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 the, the um, ego um, and allows you just to be present. And those times when we can find whatever that is for ourselves, if it's yoga, if it's jogging, if it's going to the gym, if it's meditation, um, those are feeding us and are going to help us when we're actually really uh, in this spot. So we have to, you know, find this time like you're trying to do with nurses you know to support us mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so important i i'm just like blown away by everything that you've mentioned already on the show and you're tim you are such a gift you're oh such gosh. a gift I'm, i don't know i'm sure that like you're you're patients that you've cared for and the people in your lives anyway you're like the I just feel like you're you're just such a gift I remember feeling like you were so wise and you know I admired I forgot but I remember you told me a long time ago you know you'd gone and you stayed at the monastery for a month for a year and I was like wow that's so cool but um you have a lot to offer <laughs> <laughs> the to, to people out there and I'm sure they just again think that you're a gift you know the the thing for me about hospice work is that um uh there are few it's not easy for most people and I 
always found it natural. So um, if I come into a room and I know somebody's dying um, and I just feel it, I know what to do. You know, I just don't think about it. Uh, and and it's, it's just human. Yeah. Yeah. You said it. I mean, we're all going to do it. We're all, we're all going to do it. Uh, and it's such a blessing to be part of a death. I feel blessed to have the opportunity to be on a journey with someone. And if someone dies with me there, I think it's just an incredible connection, you know, that mm -hmm. I was honored to, uh, to be there. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I have to put a shout out to all the caregivers. I'm, I'm talking all the people that um, the CNAs, the nursing assistants, uh, the people that are really doing the care um, and they're really with these people. Uh, and uh, that, you know, the, these are the people that I believe we really, really, especially now because there's such a, a shortage. And, uh, you know, these are the people that are really doing the care and the true, true angels uh, in, our, in our field, uh, I think. Um, are the, the hands-on caregivers, mm. you know, the nursing assistants. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're really caring for the dying, you know, mm -hmm. on the day to day and mm -hmm. helping them and seeing them, but they're also kind of need a lot of support, uh, because they don't understand death. You know, they're trying to feed them because they think feeding them is the only, you know, they, that's their job. And, 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 you know, even when they, they're at risk for aspirating. Yeah. Um, so my, 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 my job is just to, um, you know, tell them they don't actually have to work so hard. It's okay. You know, if they don't finish their meal, you know what I mean? Right. Like they're, right. they're, they're, they, they, that's all they need to eat. They don't need to eat anymore. You know, it's okay. Just, 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 just let it be a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, the the way in which you before you took your break before your your brother's passing the way in which you were working as a hospice nurse were you showing up to your clients homes or like how did how did that work do you want me to explain a little bit the, yeah. the hospice benefit that'd be great yeah yeah the hospice benefit it's uh, medicare is in charge um and uh it is a uh, organized, like every hospice um, has uh, certain things they have to have. Uh, there, there's a doctor, there's social work, there's chaplain, there's nurses, there's nurses aides, uh, and there's volunteers. And so it's a team. And it's, uh, in a way, um, kind of the most functional uh, aspect of healthcare, because it's team based. And it also dictates that um, the team has to meet and discuss their patients at least every two weeks. So, uh, uh, you know, it's wonderful uh, when it's working properly and if you're with a good agency, because there's a whole range of agencies out there with all different motives. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I've been lucky. I've worked for nonprofits uh, and for the most part, I, I feel like they really are looking after for the patient, number one. Um, so it's, it's a joy to um, have a team get together around a table and now over Zoom and discuss the patients. And if, if you have a problem like, you know, uh, this person is burping or this person uh, has this wound that won't heal or whatever it is that, that you need help for, um, you can discuss as a team what to do and get a plan together. And so in that way, it really works. Uh, but uh, uh, as I said before, it's not a place, it's a benefit. Uh, and it, uh, you uh, can receive the benefit if a doctor says uh, that you have six months or less to live, uh, to the best of their knowledge. Uh, uh, prognostication is not something that doctors learn and they're not very good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and they have, a lot of them have a hard time doing it. 
Uh, so this way, families sometimes have to kind of say, you know, well, what about hospice? So they have to say that and the family has to say, or the patient uh, or the individual has to say, um, I do not want to go to the hospital again. So, you know, oftentimes there, before people go on hospice, there's been lots of 911 calls, falls, you know, constant back and forth, and they get so sick of it. You know, they're like, I don't want to go to the hospital. I'm over it, you know? And, and if they say, I don't want to go in the hospital, I don't want IV antibiotics. Um, uh, and they know curative treatment though. This is starting to be some wiggle room in the field where they're, 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 they, you know, palliative chemo is a thing. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room here, but mm -hmm. basically for me, it means no IV hydration, uh, even though there are a few hospices that do offer it, uh, no IV antibiotics, uh, no uh, curative treatments. They also don't really get physical therapy, which is kind of in a way a drag sometimes, because sometimes, you know, I, I would have to beg my agency to give me a physical therapist and something because sometimes I think it can really help people quality of life. So it's all about quality of life yeah. um, for you to live the best life possible. So a team comes to the family, right? So um, I worked out of my car. Uh, I would go to skilled nursing facilities, uh, board and cares, uh, uh, adult family homes, uh, people's homes, uh, conceivably, I could go to prisons. You know what I mean? I could go anywhere where they are. Um, uh, so that's the key. And the key is they have to have a primary caregiver. And this is the difficulty. It's like, who's going to care for the person and how are they going to care? So a big part of my job is to teach the family how to care for their loved ones. You know, I mean, how do they learn? You know, oftentimes they've been dealing with this for you know, some months, you know, uh, so they, they maybe have caregivers, uh, in place. Um, uh, my last agency, they, I had quite a few, um, middle and upper middle class, if not upper class, um, patients who were able to afford caregivers. Well, a lot of people can't afford caregivers, you know, and so it's, it's the family members who are, and friends who are caring for them uh, so, uh, helping them organize their care, um, uh, and teaching them how to care for their loved ones. Uh, that's a big, big part of the job. So, uh, the nurse uh, is the case manager and they're actually in charge. Um, they're, they're the ones, yeah, they, they, um, uh, lead the team, even the doctors in a way, I mean, I have to call the doctor for orders. Um, but it's, it's when I know I need to call the doctor for orders, you know what I mean? If I'm not seeing it, then, you know, everyone sees though. And that's another nice thing. If the chaplain comes and they said, oh, you know, I saw so-and-so and they really look short of breath. Um, could you take a look? And so, you know, uh, I really appreciate that information, you know, so it, it, it does work as a team, but the nurse, uh, is is in charge of the case. They're the case manager, so they 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 work with the social worker and the chaplain and the the aide uh, to to best care for the patient. The nurse, by Medicare law, has to go at least the RN has to go at least every two weeks to see the patient. That's not very much. No, it's not very much. But they do go. They actually go. Uh, well, I worked with an LVN uh, in, in this agency. Some agencies don't have LVNs, others do. Um, this agency does. And uh, they, we would split off. LVN would go once a week and I would go once a week. Uh, and generally, that's how it is. But, you know, with COVID, everything got crazy and the rules have been slightly altered because patients didn't even want us to come if they were stable. And we have a lot of, uh, you know, Alzheimer's patients are the uh, biggest uh, hospice patients because they can be on hospice for a really long time. 
you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so yeah, I, I believe most hospices would have a whole steady um, Alzheimer's patients. And then, you know, the cancer patients usually come and go relatively quickly. Heart disease kind of lasts a long time. Um, it, there's a lot of um, uh, uh, abuse right now, especially in Los Angeles. It's coming out. Um, uh, there's an LA Times article about it. Uh, what do you mean, like, like what kind of abuse? Um, well, there are very few nonprofit hospices. Mainly, there are for-profit hospices, and they are um, uh, getting people on who might not necessarily. Oh, we'll give you a bed, and we'll um, uh, send a nurse out to you, and we'll send you your your medications. Uh, you know, we'll do all this for you if you just sign up with us sort of thing. Um, and it's, I know, I know there's a special place in hell. (laughs) You're going to go and Uh, take advantage of the dead, the dying. Like that's so messed up. I mean, beyond, beyond. Well, I had, I had like, they, they also get nurses in because they say they'll pay you for each visit or each admission. So they're trying to get you to do like, like, you know, do three admissions in a day, you know what I mean? To like make a lot of money. And, wow. you know, you can only do to do a good job on admission because you're setting up the, the foundation. It takes a day, you know what I mean? Like done a lot of admissions, it takes a day to do it right. And, yeah. and they'll just want you to, to, you know, churn them out and try to give you bonuses uh, you know, um, I had, I, I interviewed for this hospice in Beverly Hills and, uh, the first thing the nursing director asked me was how was I putting in an IV? Now, the thing is, is that, yeah, you don't want to put an IV in anyone on hospice. I don't know who wants to be stuck. Their veins are terrible. You they're probably dehydrated. You know what I mean? Like they've already been stuck so many times, you know what I mean? Like You're like, red flag. Red flag, I'm out, I'm out, bye, you know, yeah. So uh, uh, it's a great system, but people being people, um, they're, they, they're figuring out ways to take advantage of it, which is, you know, the saddest thing ever. Um, you know, uh, but that said, um, it's a it's a pretty well functioning uh, system, but you do have to do a lot of charting. You I'm know what sure. I mean? There's a lot of yeah. legality in a lot of legalities, and you know, as normal with our lives as nurses. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think you were going to ask me what I don't like about it. Yeah, and right. I think we all can say charting because it's bullshit mostly. You know, some it's good to pass information on. You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. good. I yeah. want to know what their history is. I want to know what medications they're on. I want to know what's happening with them. I would love a narrative telling me what's happening with them, but uh, pushing buttons, you know what I mean? is basically what you're doing all day long, you know, for hours. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the way it is. What say. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a waste of time. Um, yeah. Well, when you could be doing more meaningful work, right? Exactly. And yeah. So, and you probably, gosh, I mean, if there was a, I'm imagining you probably would have a big caseload. So you could be seeing a number of people a day going from doing a bunch of house to house. Yeah. mm -hmm. Um, So usually I would see if I'm out in the community, I also see people in nursing facilities. So I would, if I had a lot in a particular facility that I just see them all, you know, one after the other, but I would, I would see four from three to five a day. Five is really pushing it because you're driving all over town. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you want to do a meaningful visit and exactly. And then do the charting for it. I could see that easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a a visit is usually um, between an hour and two hours uh, long, depending on what's going on. Yeah. Um, I just want to be respectful of your time. We've been talking for almost an hour. Oh, um, wow. 
<laughs> That's okay. These episodes are like 45 minutes to an hour. Most oh, of the time. okay. Well, you've got enough information then. Yeah. Anything I, you want to fill in the banks? Yeah. I just want to ask you one last thing. And, and you did allude to it before you said you take, you take breaks for yourself. Um, but like on the day to day, like how do you take care of yourself? Like, especially with dealing with death and dying. I know we you sort of talked about it before, but how do you, Tim, take care of yourself? being around well for sure sleep is key you know sleep really i think is key for us i mean we we overeat when we don't sleep right and then you know that's going to cause a whole series of of issues uh so you know uh we we need to really figure out what works for us and how we can get sleep you know uh I, um, I do yoga. Um, I, I look after my diet. Um, I exercise. Um, if I can't do any of that, I, I'm always, um, or not always, I lose it. I, I try to, um, be conscious of my breathing. And, um, if I am stressed, um, I try to take a long exhale uh, and take a deep inhale and let the energy change. You know, if you can just take, if you can take one long exhale all the way to the very end of your breath, it, it, it's a reset all the way to the very end. So you're... every bit of breath all the way down. Mm -hmm. When you take an inhale, things are different. Mm -hmm. I want to do it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I know, but it takes a long time. It does take and a long time. You got it. You got to give yourself that moment to, to do it, to reset when you're, when you, you feel like you can't take it anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's what I go to. And I try to ground myself. I feel my feet on the ground, you know, like, okay, can I get back into my body? And what are my tricks? I've learned, I've got lots of tricks, you know? Uh, so, uh, you, you know, I've all sit straightening my spine helps me, um, uh, putting my feet on the ground taking a long exhale, like uh, I, I just remember, and I do it in the car when I'm driving, I go into my breath. Uh, when I'm in the elevator, I go into my breath. So I try to find these moments when I can take it and, and, and get myself back settled. Such great advice and wisdom. I so appreciate you, Tim. I um, appreciate you. Look what you're doing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you're doing it all. Thank you're doing you. It all. It's been it's yes. been really fun. Um man, we that trip to Morocco was amazing. I bet. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, we're gonna do it next year. But um, yeah, no, it's been fun. Um, for sure. You know, I think my I think I'm, you know, I'm in the crazy ICU world and I think I'm getting to a place where I just can't do that anymore. You know, and to do something like hospice, that the hard thing is, is that it's a pay cut. And a lot of nurses, I'm like, you know, come over to our side, you know what I mean? Where, where there's, there's a little more time and there's, there's, there's a chaplain that you're involved with there's a spirituality that is embedded into it. Um, so it's, it, it's so much more holding than this world of, of the ICU or the hospital. Um, but it's a pay cut, which I, I, I think is unfortunate. And it's something I would love to work for uh, because I don't believe that we should get um, uh, a cut in pay because we want to care for dying people. It should be just the opposite. <laughs> should be, yeah, exactly. It should be paid a lot more. Yeah, yeah. because we just don't respect the process or, you know, as a whole, as a society, you know? Yes. Yes. So um, 
uh, but uh, come to our side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Be so, I mean, I just love like the ability. I mean, and I've, it's happened for sure where I've helped people die beautiful. Death, oh, I'm and sure. All feels, the time. It feels so good. It feels so yeah. good to switch from, we're going to give you everything that's like making you suffer. And then you just like, don't care anymore. Like you said, like, it's like, it's not, I love, I love it. It's not medical. Yeah. It's personal. It's personal. God. It's personal. It's human. It's human. Yeah, it is. It's very human. Um, any last closing sh- thoughts for the no. show? Thank you so much. Thank you Wonderful. so much. I'm going to close this out, Tim, by saying stay safe and stay sane. See you on the next one. Thank you Hope so much, so. Tim. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Stop. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.